Attention Talking Simpsons listeners, would you love to hear us give the same treatment to Futurama? Who would do a thing like that? Who could do a thing like that? Then you'll be delighted to know we're doing just that for Futurama's entire first season. Hey, when you look this good, you don't have to know anything. And it'll only be available for people who donate at the $5 level to the Talking Simpsons Patreon. Oh, God, no! And along with 13 episodes of Talking Futurama, you'll get all 23 episodes of Talking Critic, the entire first season of Talking Simpsons, monthly community podcasts, interviews with Simpsons writers, and so much more! Shut up and take my money! Remember, go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons to get your hands on podcasts from the world of tomorrow! I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody, welcome to Talking Simpsons featuring the suckiest bunch of sucks who ever sucked. I'm your host Bob Mackey, you Claude, and this is the chronological exploration of the Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Uh, Henry Gilbert, and his shirt makes a good point. And who is our very, very special remote guest? I am Alex Navarro, and boy, I am really looking forward to sticking into that Sparrow Agnew guy. <laughs> he must work there or something. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like, who is he? <laughs> uh, I think we'll need to explain that to a lot of listeners, but uh, today's episode is Team Homer. The All-Idy Aller. <laughs> I get it. Today's episode aired on January 7th, 1996, the first Simpsons episode of 1996. And as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this day in history. <gasps> Oh boy, Bobby! Motorola StarTech became the first flip phone on the market. One of the worst blizzards in American history hits the eastern seaboard, killing more than 150 people. And in a special Simpsons downer, this episode aired one week after the passing of Doris Grau, who is featured prominently in this episode. Oh no, I knew it was coming. We're yes. here, we're here. She, she died on December 30th, and this episode aired on January 7th, and there is a in-memoriam at the end of the episode for yes, it. Yes, I recommend everyone go listen to our Talking Critics series we have we heap nothing but praise upon doris grau mm-hmm. and her amazing voice one of a kind in case you don't know doris she had worked on well really in television for decades more as a script supervisor but every comedy writer loved her voice so much that they would keep putting her on the show to the point that she was a regular as doris on the critic where they made many jokes about her chain smoking which doris grab did do in real life and yes <laughs> that eventually caught up with her as as their jokes predicted yeah making those jokes a lot less funny in review of the critic they they kind of sting now but mm-hmm. uh so to move on to a happier topic here as our special guest alex navarro alex can you tell us uh, i'm sure most of our listeners probably know who you are but in case anyone doesn't uh where do you come from uh, what do you do and what is your relationship with the simpsons uh i come from nothing i am nowhere <laughs> uh no i i work for a giant <laughs> bomb.com which you had another recent guest uh from our our lovely website recently dan reichert uh i work in the same office as as that doof uh (laughs) we we do video games on 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 the internet tv uh we talk over them and i used to write video game reviews uh back when people still cared about that sort of thing and yeah i am a lifelong uh simpsons watch well i am a lifelong watcher of simpsons seasons one through about 11 or 12 uh on repeat that's how i would describe myself so how early were you a simpsons viewer like did you watch it from like the premiere from season one even maybe the shorts yeah i i definitely watched a little tracy ullman show uh back wow. in the day and i do remember the shorts from then though i i can't say that i was like a huge fan of them necessarily mm-hmm. Uh, I think the thing that got me to watch the show when it started was that uh, someone in my, I want to say like 
third or fourth grade class had Matt Groening's Life in Hell collection oh. books uh, and lent it to me. And I started reading that stuff and I thought it was really funny. So I was like, okay, I'll give the show a shot. And I rem- I don't remember much about where I started watching The Simpsons because the first, I mean, the first season is not super memorable for me at least. Uh, but around that time like around the second and third season i remember the fan like my fandom just sort of growing exponentially to the point where i owned a cassette copy of the simpsons sing the blues like that's that was the level of fandom i was working on that's that's pretty high did you i mean did you walk around school in a bart simpson t-shirts letting people (laughs) know you're an underachiever and you don't care i didn't own that shirt though i definitely had a friend who did uh i had some stickers i think on my uh trapper keeper that were simpsons related uh and i definitely i only knew the song born under a bad sign as the homer simpson version (laughs) so that i I definitely that was in my head a a decent amount when i was a kid i had a shirt with the uh, ultra famous bart expression cool your jets man which he says in (laughs) nearly every episode yeah no i mean that is the line right like that is that you know that is on on every single billboard on every uh, every t-shirt like it is it is the thing we love bart for <laughs> and that's my tattoo so <laughs> well and alex this must have like defined your sense of comedy at a young age too i would i would imagine yeah there there are like three shows that i specifically point to as responsible for my completely brain dead sense of humor uh it's the kids in the hall which i mostly saw in reruns on comedy central uh similarly with mystery science theater like i watched that religiously and a lot of my like sort of weird goofy humor comes from that and then it's the simpsons seasons that i i listed because i've been watching those on repeat in perpetuity you were on the right podcast then. yes yeah <laughs> we all share similar uh, interests especially yeah. kids in the hall of mystery science theater this really just becomes the mystery science theater podcast occasionally yes. if, if anything similar to an mst3k episode happens we will then just start talking about that I mean, at this point, I basically just riff over video games. So, like, I'm, 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 I feel like I'm in good company here. What was the episode that made you stop being a regular viewer of The Simpsons? It's it's oh. different for a lot of people. So, I can actually point to the specific one where I stopped watching. I, I I was definitely aware that the show was becoming way less consistent by this point, but I am deeply stubborn and I I tend to not fall off of things very quickly. Like, I I stick with them if I like them at one point. But I don't remember which season exactly this came from but it's it, to me it is notorious in my brain at least it is the tennis court episode uh oh. it is the episode where they get a tennis court in the simpsons backyard and a bunch of tennis celebrities are on the show and it is to me the perfect storm of everything that went wrong with the simpsons the animation is garbage like the whole color scheme of that episode is like weirdly saturated in a way that i remember watching and thinking, is there something wrong with my television the jokes are bad the premise is terrible and you can tell it was purely manufactured because someone was like well we've got these tennis people Maybe we should write an episode around that. You may, and it's just awful. You may be trying to forget this, Alex, but there's also a very unsettling Oedipal uh, plot line in there in which Homer thinks Bart is going to take Marge from him. Is this the right episode I'm thinking oh, yeah. of? That yeah. That, that is definitely the one. I do remember that now, and I do remember being deeply skeeved out by that yeah, at the like, time. Let's, let's not do this. That was gross. It also it had two of their worst storytelling flaws of that era, which one, the first act ends with Homer literally saying, bet you didn't see that coming, because there was no reason tennis would flow from them trying to get a burial plot for Abe. And then second, the episode ends with them all just like shrugging their shoulders. Like, (laughs) I guess it's over. This is the ending. Bye. And 
I remember a lot of episodes around those seasons kind of ending similarly of a writers throwing their hands up and just being like, fuck it. I don't know. That's a premise. <laughs> and it's just like, that's not, it, it just, it felt like they gave up. Yeah. So did you, I kind of slowly fell off in those seasons and stopped like taping every week, but I think 13 was really when I was just like, I, I'm, I got other things I can do. I'm, I'm in my early twenties now. I, I need to look at different things. Yeah. I don't even remember what else was on TV at that point but i definitely at that moment i was very much like i'm getting nothing out of watching this weekly anymore <laughs> like if i hear an episode is good maybe i'll watch it again but like I, I just felt like i was done like i had this is super melodramatic but i had lost my faith <laughs> this episode do you want to get into it yeah well, uh, why did you out of uh, the several season seven ones we uh, offered to you alex why did you want team homer out of all of them uh so i watched all the ones that, that you suggested and and really i like all those episodes but this one to me it's spoke to me mostly because of a few things it combines a lot of the things i like it has a heavy dose of mr burns who i still think is probably the best written character on that show Mm. uh it has uh one of my all-time favorite mole man bits uh (laughs) and i'm a sucker for a good mole man bit uh it has it's a good ensemble episode like there are a bunch of different characters that are all doing like you know fairly funny things in this episode and it has maybe one of my favorite b plots of any simpsons episode yeah i had completely forgotten the b plot in this episode when i watched it It was because it's it's one of those b plots that's so unassociated with the a plot i could have thought it was on one of a number of episodes yeah and they really stopped doing b-plots at this point for a while it was Mm -hmm. all just really strong a stories i associate the b-plots more with like season three and four well though this is kind of a throwback episode because this was one of the two episodes in season seven produced by really the season six staff show ran by dave merkin and this was written by mike scully another mike scully one which this is mike scully horrific as i say in that (laughs) you have a very jerk ass homer a kid's b-plot and a ton of cruelty and a sports competition and you're not right right Mike Scully loves sports. He's a he's a freaking jock instead of a Harvard jerk like other people. And I, I think he got this idea just because he was doing a lot of bowling. And this is very I guess this episode is dear to my heart because I grew up in the Midwest and you do a lot of bowling in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And nothing is worse than showing up with your family and finding out it's league night. Mm-hmm. I, I really identified with that. Well, so the episode the episode opens though with something I really identified as a nerdy oh, kid: yes. the love mm-hmm. of Mad Magazine. The Mad Magazine Special Edition. They only put out 17 of these a year. Boy, they're really socking it to that Spiro Agnew guy again. He must work there or something. Let's do the fold-in. Okay. What higher power do TV evangelists worship? I'll say God. I'll say Jesus. The almighty dollar. You fold it, you bought it. Ooh, snappy answers to stupid questions. I'm great at these. Ask me if something smells funny in here, boy. Does something smell funny in here? I don't think so. Stupid. <laughs> Homie, you want pork chops? No, I want roast beef, you clod. <laughs> <laughs> they are kind of making fun of Mad Magazine, but it comes from a place of love. I think so. Oh, yeah. yeah. And as a kid, I considered this an endorsement. It's like, yes, the Simpsons love Mad. I mean, I was, you would probably not find a bigger Mad fan in my area. I love Mad. I love every offshoot of Mad, like Cracked. I would buy all the fake Mads, too, because it was all, like, good content content for me but they are so right about those super specials and that 
when you would buy one in the supermarket, it would be a compilation, some including stuff that would be way out of date. Like, mm-hmm. there was one where it was uh, basically a poem about how Johnny Carson doesn't host the, the Tonight Show anymore. He just has a bunch of guest hosts. And I'm just like, <laughs> I guess I understand this. It's 1995, but um, I lost my mom. Yeah, I, I, I think the thing they get at here that is very accurate to my mad experience is that there are definitely, you know, there's some great jokes. And I definitely, uh, you know, I, I was a fan of the magazine. But at my age, reading Mad, like every third reference was completely out like over my head like i had no idea who morton downey jr was but they kept making fun of him and i was like oh well that's really funny probably to somebody but i kept reading it because i don't know i just like there was just something about mad that was that would hook you in no matter how esoteric and deeply old some of the jokes were I do remember a fairly embarrassing story. I was maybe six or seven. I just remember adults laughing at me because I was reading Mad Magazine and I didn't know what sperm was. And so I asked my mom, because in the Look Who's Talking parody, I distinctly recall there's a joke about someone eating frozen sperm thinking it was popsicles. And I was just like, what is sperm, mom? And uh, a bunch of adults laughed at me. (laughs) Jeez. I was was a regular reader of it uh, at the supermarket. I would definitely bug my mom to get me a copy. I knew that it was funny to... To laugh at George H.W. Bush for being like a nerd. That that was a lot of their jokes then. I also recall, though, I didn't... If it was a movie parody when and I was at a certain age, I was like, well, I don't get this. I don't watch grown-up movies. But Spy versus Spy and every Sergio Aragones doodle, I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. And I also did have the Bart and Milhouse experience of not understanding just how obvious an Al Jaffe <laughs> fold-in joke can be. Yes. Um, <laughs> I do want to talk about Al Jaffe. I recommend everyone go we reference this podcast a lot but go listen to the gilbert gottfried uh amazing colossal podcast where he is the guest you have never heard a more alert and on the ball 95 year old and he's actually uh listen so whenever we talk about an old person on this show they die mm-hmm. he's going to be 97 by the time this episode goes live i will not take responsibility for this but as of uh, march 2016th he was the longest working comic artist at 73 years and three months so he's already beaten wow. that by now so uh he is still doing Mad Magazine fold-ins, and they're now relaunching Mad with number one after 550 issues with a whole new like staff and a whole new location. So I'm interested in seeing what that's going to be like. Well, I just knocked on our wooden desk here, so hopefully uh, <laughs> yeah. Al has more good years in front of him. Yeah, I, he's he still does the fold-in, and it's amazing. And I also like to give credit to the animators on this, that they drew a Mad fold-in painting and made it fold in animation. Like... That, that had to be a pain in the ass. They wrote all the text, too. So there's the text that then gets folded into the joke. They wrote all of that. And it, it's like it's a perfect mad fold-in parody. Yeah, and the Bart and Mill ass just can't... The dollar sign's right there. Like, how can you not see it? But <laughs> Yeah, there were some of those fold-ins where you're like, I don't even need to fold this. Yeah, I, I know I, where this is going. I don't need to ruin my magazine and fold this. Though, funny story about the history of Mad is that you actually wouldn't see it that much in comic shops. I mean, not to say you couldn't buy it at a comic shop, but it became a magazine and black and white in the 50s to avoid the comics code. EC Comics was the most hated by Congress during the comic code uh, situation in the 50s and EC Comics they lost all their stuff they lost Tales from the Crypt True Horror Stories and Mad was coming next and they're like well if we made Mad a magazine then we don't have to deal with all this bullshit and we can just be silly and be a magazine and that's why it's been a magazine ever since it was a long time before it got color 
even after it got bought by Warner and technically became a DC publication for decades, it was not really a comic book. And now that relaunch you talked about, Bob, yeah, the editor in chief of it is Bill Morrison, the former editor in chief of Bongo Comics and a Simpsons Comics superstar. And not to mention, one of the uh, editors on the book is. Allie Gortz, who does the other Simpsons podcast, Everything's Coming Up Simpsons. Oh, we got to talk to her. They're also wow. they're also now making it comic book, the dimensions, the size of a comic book mm-hmm. for the sake of distribution. So now it's coming back to a comic book. Yeah, and they still make the news anytime they do a, ma- a cover parody of any political figure, though. This is really like Mad Men. It's like happening real life now, Mad <laughs> Magazine. Am I right? I prefer Idiocracy yeah. as a documentary. Idiocracy is such a... Du- this enough of this enough well look if nothing else this has been a good catch-up because i probably have not read mag mad magazine in like 20 years so it's mm-hmm. good to know that a there are people who are keeping up with it and that it's still there like it's yeah. one of those things that i'm just glad to know still exists it still creates a dangerous amount of laughter as mark yes. would say i love i love that she is such uh this this is such a season five and six marge she had gotten a lot more interior life to her in the season seven episodes we've been seeing, but this is back to Marge being the scold who takes away a troll doll for having bizarre hair. <laughs> awful, That's awful hair. Awful hair. And, and like I, I've never minded, you know, that aspect of Marge. Like I think they do a pretty good job of, you know, in general building out the, her character in a way that doesn't just make her seem like a, a, a helpless prude. Like mm-hmm. a, a, she's, just, you know, it, it, but it, like you said, this season, like when I was watching those other seasons, like class struggle and Springfield, you know, there, there's a lot more to Marge in this in this season than this episode represents. Like she's barely in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, ultimately she is right. The magazine causes a riot, so uh, Marge is right about this in the beginning. Oh, but wait, who is Spiro Agnew, Bob? We did talk about him a little in the Mother Simpson episode. Yeah, as well. I mean, he was Nixon's vice president, and he resigned. Uh, mm-hmm. I think due to a bribery scandal. I mean, he was one of the many men around Nixon who fell. Whenever I get a, whenever I see a reference to something I don't get, I often think of like he must work there or something. <laughs> and he uh, he was Greek, if you couldn't tell by his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also like Homer saying Claude of all things to Marge. It's, it's a great Mad Magazine insult that <laughs> like no one uses outside of those pages. I was to say this is also a great moment where you know it, one of the the prevailing themes I remember about Homer and his attempts at humor is that he most often mistakes meanness with jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> like he has, he doesn't really have much of a sense of humor outside of you know the very basic pratfalls and and just insults. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm all, I always sort of enjoy when they poke at that notion that like he doesn't understand what jokes are. Mm-hmm. He just understands that saying mean things can be funny. I love when Homer is telling it like it is and is staying Mars and she's put on a little way too and then she says Homer you're the fattest person in here he's like you didn't have to tell it like it is Marge. <laughs> and, and as a mad reader I think what Bart goes through in this episode is the dream of a mad reader in that my edgy book is troubling my mom it is upending the school like this is I'm reading such a dangerous magazine here in this goofy mad magazine <laughs> I didn't bring. I, I put an iron-on on my T-shirt, and I created bedlam. <laughs> and I do remember iron-ons too, like that they would fade after I don't know two washings. But I, I didn't take Mad to school, but I would take. We talked about this earlier, but I did take uh, Life and Hell books to school, and it felt like very subversive to have a book with the with the word hell on it mm-hmm. right on the cover. Take that, teachers! <laughs> Your teacher's gonna take that from you, Bob. I, I managed to sneak it out. <laughs> I think we might be the last generation that remembers when "damn" and "hell" were still considered words that were 
like, you know, uncouth to say in a school environment. I, I don't know. I feel like kids out there tell me if you told your teacher, if you just said the word hell in front of your teacher, would you get in trouble? I'd, I'd like to know. But uh, well, so then we get into the other plot almost immediately with Homer at uh, hanging out with Mo. And so they're hanging out at the bar and we get to hear about that, uh, that Barney, Carl and Lenny hell have mistresses. They're mistresses. How did Barney get a mistress? Is Barney included or was it just Lenny and Carl? I, I just I only heard Lenny and Carl. Uh, no, I heard Barney too. Barney's yeah. definitely not there. I think his mistress is like uh, somewhere inside of a bottle. Mm. Don't, I, don't you have to be in a long-term relationship to have a mistress? Isn't that how that works? That's true. That's, that is true. Uh, otherwise, you if you're having a mistress but no regular partner, then who are you cheating on? There's no one to mistress. In that. And so here's the the question I would raise is does this is this sort of the start of Lenny's secret life where he's pretending that he's married and that he has <laughs> like you know a real like family it isn't just living in you know an abandoned hovel uh, and, <laughs> and and trying to sound like a big shot. Well, I mean they will eventually lead up to the Lenny and Carl being a couple. Yeah, I mean that's right. some season twenty eight stuff. Yeah. But yes, at the very least Lenny is lying about everything in his life. It, this place didn't look so bad when he has the poker game and secrets of a successful. Marriage. It's a pretty nice house. Yeah, though he's yeah. definitely not married. Then also the Kennedy references show up to drink, which I think they would probably have drank quite a lot in a drinking game of the Quimby's. <laughs> okay, so Homer desperate to be anywhere but with his family is a very scully homer to me like oh yeah in in seasons nine through twelve this is the homer who is just like i can't spend a moment alone with my family i have to drink where this is the homer of dumbbell indemnity for example i would say and it's also uh, the homer of fear of flying because he's like i cannot be home i need to be drunk somewhere yeah and so he he's gotta he goes back to his first love and his old employer (laughs) the new barney's bolorama Sorry, it's league night. I couldn't give a lane to my own mother. I have no son. (laughs) Man, you go through life, you try to be nice to people, you struggle to resist the urge to punch them in the face, and for what? For some pimply little puke to treat you like dirt unless you're on a team. Well, I'm better than dirt. Uh, Well, most kinds of dirt. Not that fancy store-bought dirt. That stuff's loaded with nutrients. I... I can't compete with that stuff. That I cannot bowl wreaks havoc with my self-esteem as well. But who am I to complain? Well, I'm tired of being a wannabe league bowler. I want to be a league bowler. Apu is very emotionally fragile in this episode, I noticed. He doesn't get a lot of lines, but he's always just very, like, sad. I gotta say, I don't love Apu in this episode. I think several of his lines have a very Fisher-Stevens in short circuit kind of style to them. Of just, Mm -hmm. Especially when he says a garment's good enough to be married. And I'm like, no, Apu knows what a good shirt is. He's not... (laughs) Yeah. He he comes very... uh, The term is fresh off the boat, I would say. Like a very deferential foreigner in this. Yeah, I'm not loving Apu in this episode. I I think the one good line is is the one that maybe sort of is is the one of the few like sort of meaningful acknowledgements of what Apu is and sort of how that character is presented where he they're, they're bowling against the uh, the stereotypes team and he's like oh they begged me to join they begged me to join yes. like <laughs> that I, th- I thought was like a, a decent little self-referential bit but yeah I, I kind of tend to agree with you guys otherwise yeah that might be the first time the show is kind of pointing that out too I think so I, I do like though that Mo Mo who we proclaim the most pathetic man in Springfield he at least is smart enough to admit he knows he's not better than all dirt just just 
it's better than regular dirt. I do think of that when I see store bought dirt. <laughs> I like hardware stores. It's uh, loaded with nutrients. And, it's better than Mo. <laughs> and I and I also love the little the cute little spin on the light bulb gag over Homer's head when he wa- realizes he wants to be a league bowler. My my stepdad is actually part of a bowling league. He's, he's he says he's pretty good. I've never seen him play. I'm not a particularly good bowler, even though I took bowling in high school. Which was pretty awesome. How do you take bowling? Do they have a... Well, your high school has to be across the street from a bowling alley. Oh, that makes sense. And then then they make deals probably with the bowling alley to bring students over there as part of a class. Much better than running. It is the sport... uh, It's a fine sport as well. Yes. But not for kings. Yeah. I also Do you ever think the American education system is hopelessly corrupt. Nah, maybe. Oh, no, maybe. <laughs> eh, just a thought. Just putting that out there. <laughs> the Simpsons will be right back. Sure, you could spend your money on bowling or boweling, but wouldn't it be better used supporting patreon.com slash talking simpsons? If you go there, you can get every episode of Talking Simpsons a week early and ad-free. Right now you could be listening to next week's episode if you are a supporter of patreon.com slash talking simpsons, but you get access to so many more things, including a week early and ad-free episodes of our new podcast, What a Cartoon, our Patreon exclusive podcast. Like Talking Futurama, where we go through every episode of the first season of Futurama, and Talking Critic, where we go through every episode of The Critic. Or you can get access to all the exclusive interviews we have on there, including our most recent one, where we interviewed Dan Graney, a Simpsons writer of 20 years who came up with the term embiggen and created characters such as Gil and Gavin. You can learn all about that and so much more if you just give $5 or more to patreon.com slash talking simpsons. Look, I'll admit it, Down With Homework is a cool shirt, but we don't sell that shirt. What we sell is a Talking Simpsons t-shirt, which is just as good, I would say. If you go to shirtsickle.com or to the URL tiny.cc slash talking shirt, you will find a very exciting and cool Talking Simpsons t-shirt done in the logo style of Ion Springfield, designed by the awesome friend of the show, Nina Matsumoto. Talking Simpsons, the t-shirt, is definitely worth the 19 99 plus tax and shipping that you can get it for in many different sizes and styles. Check it out at shirtsickle.com or tiny.cc slash talking shirt. Hey, this is Sideshow Luke Perry. You're listening to Talking Simpsons on Laser Time. So I'll tell you what is uh, lost is lobster harmonicas. For my search on Amazon and eBay, there's not one lobster harmonica out there. That feels like something you buy in like a tacky tourist shop at like a beach somewhere. Yeah, but wouldn't you think one of those would be on eBay? Yeah. Something that interferes with the search is that there's a million people selling a regular harmonica that comes with a lobster claw latch. I'm like, well, no, I want a lobster harmonica. I don't want a lot. Who calls? It's basically a bike latch. Like, I didn't even know people called those Mm. a lobster claw. So the lobster 
Bob's Charmonica has bad C- SEO. I know. Oh, they yeah. they got to work on that shit. And I got to say, $500 seems like a lot for a bowling league, but reasonable for sex work, I think. And reasonable uh, for fi- uh, four people to split up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But how poor are they? Well, I mean, Otto definitely can't afford it. Yeah. That's for sure. I mean, once he gets that Harvard that- diploma, you know, he'll be set to go. I know. He'll get a job on The Simpsons once he gets that. <laughs> that long-haired freak's bowled with us for years. Oh, I don't care if it takes me all night. I'm going to get me that lobster on Monica. Come on, lobster. Oh, okay. Then I just need your $500 registration fee. $500? Oh, no problem. Would you take an out-of-state two-party bad check? (laughs) No, I will not pay you $500 for sex. Oh, come on, Marge. You're getting something in return, and I'm getting a bowling team. It's win-win. It's sick. And I don't have that kind of money to spend on sex. Maybe you could get someone with money to sponsor your team. Like Mr. Burns. Burns never gives money to anybody. Just last week I asked him for $1,500. For what? Oh, I gotta get the third degree from you too? So I like how Marge has a hypothetical sex budget. Yeah. She knows how much she would spend for sex. Yeah. I also thought she was about to say, maybe you could find someone else who would pay you $500 <laughs> for sex, not someone else to sponsor your team. I also love how they are framed in that shot when they come in. They, the, the, the four panel light yeah. over them as they say it. it it makes the smash cut to homer asking for money for sex great i wrote that down it's very beautiful it's a thing they don't do very often to have that sort of light coming in cast on yeah them. totally uh and then we get bart's bart's down with homework shirt is the dream of every child who ever wore a witty shirt to school <laughs> tonight's homework assignment is oh man is it hot in here i'd better take off my sweater down with homework? <laughs> Don't look at it, children. The shirt makes a good point. I'm with the shirt. Homework rots. As I was saying, my yearly evaluation couldn't have come at a better time. Well, Seymour, I must say for once, I am impressed. In fact, I am going to give this school a perfect 10. I'll just write the zero first. <laughs> now a vertical line to indicate the one. Dinner? Why are there children walking on my head? My favorite part of the scene is Chalmers writing 10 very slowly backwards <laughs> for the sake of this really tortured joke. And now the vertical line to just... <laughs> I mean, Chal- this, is, this is the other thing I forgot to mention is that I love a good Chalmers and Skinner bit, and there are two in this episode, uh, yeah. so that that automatically makes it a winner for me. Yeah, Steam Tams has become a meme of its own, but this the these were the things that led up to Steam Tams that they they both know they are in very cliched sitcomy scenes, but they are very committed to it. It's like as I was just saying in my yearly review, <laughs> like that, those are all statements that no human would say. They're all things no no normal person would say. I also, yeah, on the witty t-shirt thing, I think the most sarcastic t-shirts I wore to school were probably my uh, Crow T Robot Bites so. Me of MST3K. That was a favorite of mine. The teachers asked you to explain what that meant? No, nobody cared. Okay. I mean, same with like when I wore a Space Ghost Coast to Coast shirt, nobody was like, what is a Zorak? Like, what is, at least when I 
were they might be giant shirts i would get people saying like i remember that from tiny tunes are they still a band <laughs> those those were my nerdy shirts of childhood god i'm trying to think i think mine were all like anime shirts oh man like the real cool guy it did have akira's t-shirts i did have that and then a a uh, Japanese American student said to me, "You don't even know what those letters on your back say." And I was like, "But I like anime. <laughs> I'll learn one day." <laughs> I think the only one I had was one that said, "Corporate rock still sucks," which was great because at that uh, point I was definitely still listening to a lot of corporate rock and did not know what I was even rebelling against. <laughs> oh God, that is a perfect, that is a perfect shirt to wear. I mean, that came from uh, corporate rocker himself, Kurt Cobain, right? I believe so. Uh, yeah, I. Though, also, we get to see Ralph eating all the paste he wants. That's freedom for him. <laughs> and uh, and that rot thing, uh, I don't know. Alex, are you a best show listener? I am not. Oh, darn, man. I, it You're reminds all alone me here, of, It reminds me of a bit on the best show. Well, okay, but Alex and me are going to team up on you about <laughs> wrestling stuff later. Oh, no. I'm really getting a nerd to the whole thing falls over and fall, turn, lights on fire gags in these it's really starting to get a little little cliche it's true i mean they did kind of invent it but mm. um it's been happening a lot lately i do like that the teacher's desk is a cop car in, yes. in function i do like that it's also it, it's it's telling how often the discourse these days uh sort of reflects the fear i think that maybe a lot of authority figures have of Granted, in this case, it's a very mundane thing that is sparking off our youth uh, rioting and causing <laughs> chaos. But I, I do think there is a, a great deal, a great number of people out there who still think that any little spark could could send our kids into, you know, rioting nonsense uh, mm. these days. And so like that, that stuck with me as I was watching this episode. Yeah, I totally think you're right. And I, and I think they could be uh, referencing their own problem with T-shirts when there was the we, we talked yeah. about it earlier, the underachiever and proud of a T-shirt where they, they were right. banned from schools. Some schools banned all Simpson stuff. I'm Bart Simpson. Who yeah. the hell are you? Like teachers hate, hated that stuff. And they were there is certainly a, a fear among, of te- it, with teachers for all of their students. And we're seeing a, a whole lot of that right now in, in, mm-hmm. uh, in the world, which I, I think the students need to be afraid of being in school more than the teachers do <laughs> at this point, like, statistically speaking. Uh, so then, finally, we get the, the, we, as a Simpsons continuity nerd, we finally find out how Skinner became a POW. We, mm. we knew that he was a POW because they did a lot of cheap jokes about being in a POW camp in Vietnam. But now we get to know how. So, we meet again, Mad Magazine. How do you know it's for Mad? The year was 1968. <laughs> we were on recon in a steaming Mekong Delta. An overheated private removed his flak jacket. Revealing a T-shirt with an iron-on sporting the mad slogan, Up with miniskirts. Well, we all had a good laugh, even though I didn't quite understand it. <laughs> but our momentary lapse of concentration allowed Charlie to get the drop on us. I spent the next three years in a POW camp, forced to subsist on a thin stew made of fish, vegetables, prawns, coconut milk, and four kinds of rice. <laughs> I came close to madness trying to find it here in the States, but they just can't get the spices right. Uh- my punishment? <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to think about that. Meanwhile, wear this home. You can really hear it in the capture of the clip, but I forgot that they add reverb to his speech. Yeah. It's it, pretty nice touch. It's a lot more dramatic, yeah. I love when people are rambling in a flashback. <laughs> he, it, this is a very important flashback. And he, then he just gets caught up on what meal he had. And he launches into it immediately. The year was 1968. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, as someone who's come to love like fish-based soups and stews, I'm just like, ooh, where can I get this? Four kinds of rice. Sign me up. It does. Uh, according to my search online, it sounds like a mock fish. Mm. Though I might be mispronouncing it just because 
because it looks to me like a mock time, the classic Star Trek episode. I'm sure they're the same. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is fascinating how it goes from in, instantly like he's talking about like this horrible ordeal, and then like two ingredients, and you're like, actually, that sounds kind of good. Like yeah. that doesn't sound so bad, and you can see that like that became the defining moment of like his war experience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm glad he had that fine stew and that he's he's not angry towards the people of vietnam seemingly he's he actually is looking for their food everywhere he's mostly just angry at the restaurateurs of america who can't figure out the spice combination (laughs) and eight episodes earlier bart had his clothes destroyed and had to wear a potato sack home this time he has to wear a cushion home oh right after having skinner take his his offensive clothing once more we get some high quality burn stuff this is some of the best burn stuff ever no i need some more ether i can (laughs) still feel the movement of the emery board we're fresh out sir i'll get some more leave the reg excuse me mr burns (gasps) poppin fresh you glutinous little doughboy (laughs) there's something i've wanted to do to you for years (laughs) <laughs> oh wow mr burns uh are you was wondering if you'd like to sponsor my bowling team for five hundred dollars oh why certainly pop and fresh i i owe my robust physique to your tubes of triple bleached goo <laughs> hey everybody if you want to ask burns for a favor now's the time he's doped up or dying or something uh, excuse me, I'd like to request $17 for a push broom rebristling. <laughs> Why, it's that delightful TV leprechaun. I'm going to get you a lucky charms. Oh no, my brains. <laughs> that, is a, that is a. So, like, when we isolate these sounds without the images, you get a real. You get a better feel of the sound design, and just. You can hear the drill going into flesh. Yeah. And bone. Not just a drill. <laughs> And him not really reacting to it, other than yeah. to, like, l- limply exclaim, oh, no, my brain. <laughs> yes, yeah. Should we give that line to the episode? Uh, yeah, let's do it. I, that is, that is to me, I, I, I think all Mole Man bits are generally good. There are three that I consider, like, the holy trinity. Like, it's, it's that one. It's the one from the Halloween episode where he's driving the gremlin and they run it <laughs> off the road. Uh, and it's man getting hit by football. <laughs> uh, that is definitely deserving of line of the episode. The joke. It's not official till we play the jingle. Yes, now it's official. Sorry, I didn't know about the jingle. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's, it's okay. So, so wait, he, during his during his ether frolic, Mr. Burns <laughs> has a, a plugged in power drill at the ready. Yeah, he's just he, ready to go. This is a very active Burns who also knows about the Pillsbury Doughboy and Lucky Charms, which doesn't really fit with a guy who seems to still think the Negro leagues exist. <laughs> but the, uh, also, I love it. The animation of him poking Homer in the stomach, then jabbing at his eye, and Homer like grabs his hand yes. and stop him. It's very good. But Homer's it's very well Laughing. Yeah. He laughs at being poked in the eye. <laughs> oh, I think he just wants to, to stay on Burns' good side. He wants money. So, do you think that they got the ether rag sniffing from Hunter S. Thompson? I feel like that's where Harvard dudes would get it from. I, th- I think probably. I mean, it was uh, like huffing ether has been like an old time. It's a, the oldest timey way to get high. Mm-hmm. There's only one way to get high, baby. <laughs> ether. <laughs> I mean, one of my, I'm sorry, one of my favorite details about Mr. Burns in general is it's not just that he's old and that, you know, he, all his references are old. It's that you can tell from the way that he is old that, like, he was once very pop culture savvy. Like, it's just yeah. that it's his pop culture knowledge mostly ended around Teapot Dome. Yeah. So, like, he, he doesn't, like, it, it, it ends, but, like, you can tell, like, he, he's retained this knowledge and he understands 
this very specific version of the world that existed when he was like in his 20s and 30s and then it just never evolved beyond that and yep. <laughs> you know the lucky charms thing is maybe a little bit weird but other than that like everything that that is why i love the mr burns character is because it's not just that he's old and out of touch it's that he still thinks he's with it yeah, he could have been on the Victrola-based podcast of his day. <laughs> exactly. I mean, as an idle rich guy, he definitely had time to enjoy all those things, like going to boxing matches all the time. He knew everything in sports from up to 1927, I would say. And, yeah. And also that he – I just love that he thinks that – he thinks that the Lucky Charms guy – has a pot of gold in his head. Yeah, like, right. that's what he thinks as well. <laughs> well. Ether does wild things to you, man. It does. Yeah. A man on an ether bender, and you don't trust him, man. The, uh, and I just love the descriptor, doped up or dying or something. <laughs> he just got his money. He doesn't care. <laughs> like, all he needed was his money. <laughs> God damn it. It's so, uh, so then we get straight back to, they've got their money. They are now in their group. I love the, the kind of vulnerability you see on them walking into the place in their t-shirts with marker on them because <laughs> they can't afford actual league shirts. It's it's kind of well, I like that. You see that it hurts their feelings that they don't have real shirts and they instead of quote unquote uh, quote uniforms unquote. They are small fish in the world of bowling right now. But they have spirit. Buenas noches, señoritas. <laughs> what did he say? What did he say? Was that about me? Okay, I do. Bridges on. Don't choke, don't choke, don't choke, don't choke. Oh, man, I knew I was going to choke. Well, that's a funny looking strike. <laughs> Come on, guys. Let's be the team that supports each other. You can do it, Otto. You can do it, Otto. Help each other out. That'll be our motto. You, you can, can do, do it, Otto. You, you can, can do, do it, Otto. Make this fair. I give you free gelato. Then back to my place, where I will get your blotto. Domo Arigato, Mr. Roboto. You, you can, can do, do it, Otto. You, you can, can do, do it. it. Guys, I made the spare. We won. In case you missed the uh, the very hard to read writing on the Channel Six uniforms, they are mm. the Channel Six Wastelanders, which is a reference to that FCC Another speech. Another vast wasteland joke. Yes. Man, they really had that on their minds this season. Go back to our King Size Homer episode. We play part of the speech where the guy says TV is a vast wasteland. We're not doing it twice. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, but the I also love that uh, Mo can't understand like not even high school Spanish. Like he doesn't understand he was called a woman by Bumblebee Man. And I think this could be the first time we see Bumblebee Man's name. It says Pedro on his shirt. Oh. But he's also he's not he's he either sometimes on Channel Six or not on Channel Six. So when they sometimes need him to channel be there, Ocho. Ocho, yeah, I think in the last episode we recorded he was Channel Ocho. He was definitely on a different channel than yeah. Kim Brockman and. Sideshow Bob's last gleam. Yeah, that's right. He's one of those comedic talents that is just so out, like so large and so important that you know he 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 commands a contract that allows him to move between networks so that he can freely express himself wherever he needs to. He can appear on like multiple networks in the same town. He'll make that deal. He's that powerful. And the Goya lobby is also that powerful. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's such a great Merkin f you to drama that he doesn't. It's like, oh, it's so it's so dramatic. Will he even hit the seven ten split? And then it's like, but well, it just happened off screen. We don't see it at all. Yeah, yeah. you are denied it, it's which is beautiful. an amazing shot as Marge is later uh, testing to. Yeah, which. Marge should know because she is an amazing bowler who is kept out of this That's whole right. thing. As life in the fast lane in season one, which I'm sure we all prefer to forget or just not remember. I like, think to date we've seen Marge bowling more than Homer. 
That's true. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Homer will. But it's like- also it's a very Homer move to exclude her from that sort of thing, especially mm-hmm. when it's you know the, the whole root of this is in him trying to get away from his family and you know go out drinking with his. <laughs> His guy friends like it makes sense that he wouldn't even think to invite her to be on the team oh yeah like it's like no we'll just get Otto, the 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 weirdo on the fucking claw machine we'll just get him in there the first person i see will be the fourth person on this team certainly not my wife who's great at bowling i was i was about to remark how it's weird how we don't see them drinking but later we find out how much the beer costs and yeah. they won't be drinking at this bowling alley i gotta say in san francisco i'd kill for some five dollar beers oh yeah i just like look at them pouring the beer back in from their hair ringing, like, yeah when apu and Otto are wringing their hair <laughs> so disgusting. It's really gross. And we get a return of Al, the owner of Marty's Bolorama, for some reason. Al named it after his uh, uh, nephew. But that he's he doesn't sound exactly right. I think Hank Azaria forgot what Al sounded like. And he only says those beers are $5, and that's it. Yeah. Is that his only line? Yeah, but it's his only appearance in this episode. Oh, I also like in the in the design for the Bolorama, though, there's tons of cigarette ads everywhere, which is such an old bowling alley thing. I feel like you go, maybe you would still see a cigarette ads in, old, in some bowling alleys, but I don't think so these days. I think every bowling alley just smells like a cigarette because of the 60 years of smoking that happened in there. Yeah, yes. Yeah, like the only bowling alley I think I've been in in the last decade was in Boston. It was an old candle pin bowling alley, and it definitely, like, the wa- like you could build the old smoke off the walls if you just started <laughs> scratching at it a little bit. It was, uh, it was the right kind of dingy. <laughs> you would have a real nicotine buzz just liking the walls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so- and I did. <laughs> so the kids, meanwhile, have their own problems. Several days ago, a violent riot erupted incited by an inflammatory <laughs> t-shirt slogan. No, no, now don't try to remember what that slogan was. <laughs> to ensure that this frenzied dance of destruction is never repeated, I have decided starting Monday, all students will be required to wear uniforms. Say hello to our little genius, Martin, who looks even smarter in his vest and short pad combination from Mr. Boy of Main Street. Or how about little Lisa Simpson? She'll have no reason to play the blues in this snappy ensemble, (laughs) topped off with a saucy French beret that seems to scream, Silence! All right, pick your size, extra small or extra large. We've got both. No pushing now. I, what? Oh, I've just been informed we've run out of extra large. Some nice Herb Alpert accompaniments. He returns. Yeah. Spanish Flea's back. Oh, wait, no. I think the uh, the extra small, extra large joke is the one they cut in the syndication version because I didn't remember that when I was oh. watching the, the episode again. And I was like, I, first of all, I hate cutting jokes for syndication. And two, that was actually one of the better parts of that bit. So that, that made me angry. I love I, the crate of Mr. Boy for Girls. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a great gag. Yeah. Uh, no, Alex, you're a man after my own heart because on the 138th episode Spectacular Podcast, I, I went on quite a rant about cutting jokes for syndication it it, it makes i i actually feel when i see an episode with a cut joke it feels like i've lost a limb of like no i remember (laughs) something was there it's this is a lie when the dvds came out yeah when the dvds came out we all realized what we had missed Mm -hmm. yeah it it hurts but the the I love Martin's pride at being a runway model for the uniforms. It's so cool. He loves being himself. And 
Doris and Skinner are a real combo in this episode, which never really happened before and obviously didn't happen Outs- after this. Outside of when they were eating the children. That's true. They did work together to eat children yes. in, in Treehouse of Horror. But I want to talk about school uniforms because yeah. I've lived both sides of this coin. I went to a public school from grades uh, one to three. And then from four to uh, when I graduated, I was in Catholic school where there were uniforms. And it actually... As a as a teenage boy who didn't care about fashion, it made my life easier. Although the biggest pain in the ass was like you have to make sure your shirt is tucked in at all times because in, in, when when you grow up, mm. when you're an adult, you <laughs> have to have your shirt tucked in. Everyone tucks in their shirts after they become an adult. Totally. And I my shirt's tucked into this day, so it yeah. taught me a valuable lesson. I've been untucking it ever since, man. <laughs> no, I, uh, I I didn't have to do school uniforms. I was lucky. I think. Definitely Dave Merkin has an opinion that school uniforms are bad. And not only bad, like they turn you into a robot, pretty much. Like that they they stifle creativity. Though I have heard the argument now that like one positive of school uniforms is that it isn't like kids aren't like, oh, you don't have the cool jeans. I have as in J-E-A-N-S jeans. Uh, right. But like that or you're, I have a cooler shirt than you. Like they can't. Uh, they can't compete in fashion, but then they just compete in other ways. Like as as Bob yeah. said earlier to me, it's the, the the money will show itself. So the class will come through. Yeah, kids will always find a way to be miserable to each other, no matter what the circumstance. You know, if it's not clothes, it, it, they will find something else to pick at. There's a great uh, King of the Hill joke where they say they got rid of the worst dress category in the yearbook because it turns out all the winners were poor. Oh <laughs> God, I forgot. <laughs> Uh, and oh, man. I, I love that Lisa was impressed into doing it too, uh, because she was, I guess, just the best student. Like she's, she's a real grade grubber, and it's at times. I gotta say that looks better than Lisa's normal, like weird strapless red dress she wears. That is true, it, and those pearls. Yeah, That's a bit, pearls on a child. Oh my goodness! <laughs> In a way, all the Simpsons characters already wear uniforms because they all only have one outfit. That's true. Yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Blow my mind. <laughs> I do love my brains as line of the episode, but this would be my second line of the episode. Mom, my slingshot doesn't fit in these pockets, and these shorts leave nothing to the imagination. These uniforms suck. Bart, why do you pick up words like that? Yeah, Mo, that team sure did suck last night. They just plain sucked. I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. Homer, watch your mouth. Uh, I gotta go. My damn wiener kids are listening. (laughs) We are not wiener. I love. I just love the phrase "damn wiener kids." Damn oh, wiener kids. Oh, so good! It's beautiful. And damn wiener kids. Lisa protesting. We are not wieners. <laughs> <laughs> it's so beautiful, like that she could say, "like don't be mean, don't whatever." But hearing hearing Lisa say, "We're not wieners," is so funny. <laughs> and why are you dressed like one? <laughs> yes. It's, uh, and. Though also that Bart's complaining like it leaves nothing to the imagination. It's like, ugh, yuck. That's, that's a disgusting way to describe children's clothes. Well, we learned that Bart hates tight-binding underwear. That's true. From Sideshow Bob's Last Gleaming. He, he doesn't have an unfurnished basement anymore, I would bet, in that outfit. Like, <laughs> he prefers a loose fit. <laughs> and this, oh yeah, right before this, though, there is a little montage of them beating multiple teams, including the uh, Patty and Selma from the DMV. They they defeat the cops because uh, Wiggum trusted Snake to be their fourth man and just like they you gotta have four men on the team so losing losing their fourth man is why they forfeit but it's just a perfect thing especially snakes bah yeah. ah, love it and just like hopping out the uh, hopping out the door yeah and we get to see that it's an, a thing that annoys me when we see the holy rollers that, that I guess we have to know Lovejoy is a minister 
even though the, like Ned doesn't even have a line in this episode, like none of them talk. It's they just put together their. Oh wait, he does have yeah, one. Line. Sorry, he, he has say, one. But yeah. yeah, it's me, Ned. But Ned is basically not a character in this. That could be any devout person they're facing. Ned often would be used a lot more in a story where he's such a like plot point in it but yeah. i do like how they group these characters together i thought it was all very clever how they mm-hmm. found all these matching groups it, it's kind of them recognizing their tropes of like oh, i guess we did make four characters that do this or four characters that are stereotypes or we definitely have four characters that have all tried to entice a simpson into cheating on their spouse at some point so yes. here's here's the, the home wreckers <laughs> uh but so we're back to burns this is i i love this sitcom trope fuckery in this bit here you gotta start acting more like me and my team the future league champions of the world. Nothing's gonna stop us now. Stop everything. <laughs> I don't remember writing a check for bowling. Uh, sir, that's a check for your bowling. Oh, yes. That's very important. Yes, sir. Remember that month you didn't do it? Yes. That was unpleasant for all concerned. Anyway, back to the checks. <laughs> stop everything. I don't remember <laughs> writing a check for bowling. Hmm. The memo says to my pal, poppin' fresh. Oh, yes, that greedy, grasping glob of chemicals. Probably one of your ether-induced hallucinations, sir. I'll check the employee files to see who could pull off such an impersonation. Mm, that was either Pops Freshenmeyer or Homer Simpson. <laughs> Simpson, eh? Let's shut down this bowling scam right now. That whole bowling thing, I was tr- I was trying to unpack it in my mind. I think it's they're saying like Burns is so weak and frail he has to get his poop surgically removed once a month. Yeah, it definitely sounded like a colonic type deal to me. Or that, well, yeah, I guess a bowling is he certainly would not have the energy to do most things, and that would include <laughs> a bowel movement, moving one's bowels. He does not. I hate thinking about his bowels, but they brought it up. Yes. Yeah, I don't like thinking about any part of his physiology because it all just reminds me of the the horrors of aging and death. Uh, but that said, it, given his history with medical uh, procedures on the show, I imagine there is scraping involved. Oh, yeah. But they got to be careful with that because as Burns is quick to point out he has leprosy and he doesn't even care he's like well that's leprosy and later we find out he has every disease but yeah that's true but god i just love i love the archness of them saying i don't remember a check for bowling then we say i don't remember a check for bowling he just it's the same scene twice it's, it's great beautiful and that you know uh recently in the news there was all that front-facing simpsons meme stuff i gotta say front-facing homer in the shots of him looking at burns and burns thinking he's popping fresh that's a good front front-facing homer i would say it's a, it's- i was gonna say there's a decent amount of front-facing in this episode like because yeah. of all the bowling shots like you get a, a, a few good dead-on shots of like mo and homer uh and a few other people and it's it's Probably, at least in my memory, it's the episode that has the most of that. Yeah, I mean, if you get one little thing wrong with these designs, it just looks monstrous. Mm -hmm. So, especially when they're facing the camera. They're only supposed to be in one angle and not move. That's, that's, but that's, hey, that's why they pay the animators big bucks, you know? We get to see the the homewreckers, Princess Cashmere, Mindy, Lernley Lumpkin, and Jacques. I have something to say. Yeah. I wrote unfair next to Mindy in my notes because Mindy didn't try to wreck the home. They, mm-hmm. as two adults, they decided let's not, let's not have sex with each other. She made it Homer's choice. Yeah. And she's like, well, I'm unattached. And though this is in, this is against the bit of her hitting the bottle pretty bad, as Homer said. She could have recovered. That's true. Yeah, well, then she shouldn't be in a bowling alley. They, She's surrounded by alcohol. That's true. So they were unfair to her twice. Yeah. It's, 
Uh, but Jacques, I think Jacques is right to get like a shove from, I believe it's Princess Cashmere because he should have been their ringer. He should be bowling a 300 every time. Seriously, he's a he's a former bowling instructor. But, you know, as as age and time come along, you know, the, the, the athleticism tends to diminish. So I'm, I think we are seeing a diminished Jacques here. I think we are seeing a Jacques that has maybe fallen on harder times and has maybe focused too much on his you know wife stealing and maybe not as much on his bowling well yeah maybe he's only good enough to impress middle-aged housewives who don't know anything about bowling or or maybe because he couldn't close the deal with marge it made it made him doubt himself so much that he's lost a lot of skills oh he's, he's broken Jacques. <laughs> they need to get a brooks back to do a Jacques. I mean, every fucking episode gets a sequel episode. Now, why not bring back yeah. Albert Brooks to be Jacques again and, and do, do something with that? They brought back Lurleen. I mean, there may be other things I would rather have Albert Brooks do, but yes, <laughs> I, I would be fine with that. Give me Hank Scorpio again first. Oh, God, I miss him. Uh, but anyway, yes, they, they win They win the game by thanks to some very clever rhyming. Come on, Homer, come on, Homer, pretend this is baseball and hit us a Homer. Yes, sir. Oh, yes. <laughs> By the way, rhyming Homer with Homer? Look at them, Smithers, enjoying their embezzlement. I have a much uglier word for it, sir. Misappropriation. Tenson. <laughs> Listen here. I want to join your team. You want to join my what? You want to what his team? I've had one of my unpredictable changes of heart. <laughs> Seeing these fine young athletes reveling in the humiliation of a vanquished foe. Mm, I haven't felt this energized since my last uh, bowling. <laughs> so we're just doing uh, the series Talking Futurama on Patreon, and that uh, join his team, what is team? It reminded me of uh, where's the bathroom? What room? Bathroom. Bath what? Bathroom. What what? <laughs> yes. Sorry, I, I forgot the joke halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That that was from I roommate the third episode of the series. Yeah, they they topped they topped that gag even more with the what what. But I just love that you want to what his team. You want to join my what? It's uh, they know they're telling a joke, and I love that. And I know everybody when they tweet chef kisses, they there's one of Carl doing the chef kiss. But I like Homer's uh, rhyming Homer with Homer. Mwah, he Mwah. does the chef kiss. That that is that should be the meme to chef kiss. I say that is, that is my campaign. And I'm picking up on more Apu dialogue during this. Uh, I these clips. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, you rolled it you rolled it one of my all-time favorite comedy devices also employed in this scene uh which is the throwing the heavy object off screen and hearing a horrible that is that will always make me laugh i am not ashamed to admit it i love uh when people are incidentally harmed <laughs> yes Homer broke a limb on someone there are the two people there. sorry henry there are two people maimed off screen in this episode that's true yes. yeah god i mean if you saw the blood it wouldn't be as funny it's true no <laughs> it's just you just have to hear the noise that's yeah. all so i'm gonna say from homer's side of things burns endorsed a check like he's he's got the money he doesn't have to give it back obviously he'll be fired if he doesn't go along with what burns wants i guess but he's the the law is on his side maybe it was misappropriation but burns signed it so i guess they could probably prove he was under an ether hallucination and it doesn't count that is true i and mean we we know about Burns's, you know, cadre of lawyers and, you know, his his willingness to go fight for any, 
like red scent that he might have lost. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if if there was just this constant omnipresent fear of Burns' lawyers that maybe informed some of the decision making here. That's true. Yeah, I forgot about his, his uh, team of high priced lawyers, as he put it. My theory is post who shot Mr. Burns. Mr. Burns is sort of recharacterized as a as a more uh, they play down his evil side and more play mm. up his like out of touch doddering old man side. He's sort of like Grandpa Simpson, but with the power of infinite money behind him to do whatever he wants. Yeah, though in a future episode he will try to murder bart like, i guess his evil up. side does come back occasionally it comes up sometimes when yeah. he's energized to do evil but other times he is just he's he's more tired and doddering than evil i just love how he says my last bowling, bowling. like his, his, <laughs> he has some satisfaction remembering that yes. bowling <laughs> just really leaning on the word in a way that makes you think about his bowels whether you want to or not <laughs> yes yeah and and uh, I've been in Homer's scenario of thinking it'll be easier to tell someone no later, and then it isn't, and then you're just trapped in it. Like, just say no first, guys. Like, they, But the one issue I have with this, though, is that Smithers, like, Smithers helps Mr. Burns cheat at golf. So you figure he would have stuck around to help Mr. Burns cheat at bowling, but I... Other other than him kicking over the pins, which should not count anyway, I think that's the only time he really inserts himself into the playing of bowling. I think it's much easier to uh, help Mr. Burns cheat at golf because golf courses are very wide open spaces. It's not just yeah. one thin lane. You that's know? true. Like I could see a, a version of this script where there is a scene with Smithers like back where the pins are sort of you know uh, knocked away and like him on some sort of elaborate harness like trying to knock them down without being seen. But that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe is a little more elaborate than what this episode is going for. Yeah, I, I also love fantastic animation on Burns's tongue unfurling on the <laughs> ball, like he's that exhausted over the ball. Gross. Yes, yeah. I mean that ball is filthy. That had to be a lane. It had to be a ball from the place. It was not his personal one. But so uh. this, like, this came just a couple of episodes after uh, King Size Homer, where you know, a it, granted, he's not doing a lot, but you know, a more calisthenics focused Burns. He's actually doing physical activity. Like, That's you know, true. he's doing those Iroquois twists. Like, he's he has some physical capability in that episode. Granted, tossing a bowling ball is a much heavier and, and more exertive thing, but... You know, it, it seems like he maybe he fell off the the calisthenics wagon a little bit between episodes. Yeah, yeah. I true. mean, he can eventually get a bowling ball all the way down the lane, which is a huge achievement for Mister Burns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's give a listen. Yeah, uh, call this an unfair generalization if you must, but old people are no good at everything. Look, guys, it's not that simple. He's my boss. I'll tell you what, I'll give him a shot, and if he stinks, it'll be easier to tell him no. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> Welcome aboard! It wasn't any easier. And uh, then we go back to the school, and the life with the uniform stuff, I do like it now. This this is Merkin and Scully imagining, like, oh yeah, the uniforms sap you of all creativity. Like, you're, you're, you're done, which is what your school wants anyway, which I do kind of believe in that one. Most most teachers don't want you to be creative. That's, that's annoying. They want high spirits to be at an all-time low? Yes. Ah, uh, these uniforms are a godsend. Horseplay is down 40%. Youthful exuberance has been cut in half. My spirits are at an all-time low. They've even begun blinking in unison. I love that sound. <laughs> now, children, while you're having quiet time, I'm going to make sure my desk is exactly parallel to the rear wall. Oh, there's something I used to do in this situation, 
but can't remember how. <laughs> this is the third time in the series that I can think of where Bart is tempted by the presence of a large adult ass. The I last know. one was the, the exact same um, Almost scenario. Almost animation, really. Yeah, where it was the Sunday school one. He's like, Bart's girlfriend. Fight Satan, make mm-hmm. it up to him later. Yeah, it's the same deal. He can't. Uh, I would say they drew Edna's butt to rival Skinner's yeah. from uh, him uh, when he was tying Over, his under, shoes. Over, under, and out. Yeah. The and the kids are so pliable to programming. Like they they can be taught to blink in unison. They have completely forgotten who they were a week ago. And not only that, like they they've already forgotten down with homework too. Somehow they forgot that slogan. It's ha ho. I just love that delivery. It's so beautiful. Nelson is disturbed. Hey, I mean Skinner told them don't remember what that slogan was. So That's true. It's out of their brains. Yeah. It's it's a trenchant commentary on the the malleability and the the destruction of you know modern. Uh, a child's minds, you know, by the TV and the video games and what have yeah. they had, they have no ability to retain anything unless it is constantly pumped at them 24 hours a day. So the second you take away any sign of individuality, they completely lose it. And uh, also, yeah, they, I think the animators had a real, they liked drawing Edna's bobbing butt. I yes. Think. I, sure. I, I mean, who among us really? Yeah, that's true. But uh, I especially think some of them had fun. Like, Oh, I'm drawing Edna bending over and shaking her butt in a seductive way. Like they, they had a good time. Somebody but, owns yeah. those cells. Uh, Somebody else. Some, some bad person. <laughs> the only person I knew who in real life who owned the Simpsons cell was a very bad person. <laughs> Because <laughs> he was rich enough to afford it. Like, that, that guy sucked. An old boss. Like sort of a wealthy comic book guy. In a way. Kind of. Kind of. So then we're back. Otto gets fired from the team, which uh, it's. I do love him trying to get a Harvard diploma, especially because this episode, uh, writer side wise, it's Dave Merkin and Mike Scully who are the non Harvard dudes. They're probably the highest ranking guys in Simpsons history, other than Matt Groening, who didn't go to Harvard. All the rest of them are Harvard writers. And meanwhile, Scully didn't go to Harvard. Merkin didn't go to Harvard. That's true. Every showrunner but Mike Scully mm-hmm. was a Harvard jerk. I mean, Scully's even a college dropout, as, yeah. as he happily admits. Oh, and that's where, and then we get the stereotypes joke as well. Let's give that a listen. Look at that. All the way to the end with only one push. Mm. Ah, that's the third game in a row we cost us, Homer. Mamma mia! Hitsman! Yeehaw! Arr, me mateys. Arr. Oh, they begged me to join their team. Begged me. <laughs> well, we certainly got walloped tonight, eh, fellas? <laughs> yeah, hey, hey. I, well, but. Uh, Mr. Burns, next week is the big championship game. Ah, yes, that silly championship. <laughs> the only ship worth a damn is friendship. Aww. Look, here comes the friendship sailing your way. Uh, oh, here, let me get that friend. Uh-huh. Oops, lost a nail. Well, that's leprosy for you. <laughs> Ugh. It's really clear that Mr. Burns does not know what the rules of bowling are. He just no. thinks you get the ball to the end of the lane. But he's with so one friendly, push. though. Yeah. He's it's hard to it's hard to hate his friendliness in that. God, that how Cap Sea Captain leans into our mateys. Ah, <laughs> he's just so satisfied. It really means anything you wanted to. Yes, and 
But the, his God, the thought of him with a nail floating a beer is so disgusting, and he doesn't even understand what a championship is or why anyone would care. Well, like, I, like the escalation of that bit in general, like it, it's bad enough someone putting something in your drink, like that's not okay, and then reaching into the drink, oh, that's extra not okay, and oh, whoop, sorry, I have leprosy and my nails in there. Like that's just <laughs> that's that's a good one, two, three bits yes. of a drink. Also, the boat like melts when mm-hmm. it gets to, when it hits the water, it just like crumples, and that Burns lifts up his glass with the implication of let. It's toast like he wants he wants simpson to drink that immediately there's an act break drink so, my disease. <laughs> yes drink it that act break uh, uh hides the fact that homer did drink that beer uh, i i mean homer would he's still not going to say no to a beer you would hope at least burns bought them the beers like maybe maybe that happened for them at least hmm. the uniform stuff wraps up in a very clever fashion here well, I've got a hand it to you, Seymour. These drab student coverings have created the perfect distraction-free environment, thus preparing the children for permanent positions in tomorrow's mills and processing facilities. <laughs> Best of all, with less than a minute to go before I leave, absolutely nothing has gone wrong. Well, it is starting to rain, but I can hardly be blamed for that, can I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good. Wow, look at all the colors, man Red, green, yellow, orange I remember all of these I'm freaking out (laughs) Something's coming back to me Down with homework And down with uniforms Why aren't these uniforms color fast? I don't understand it. I got them at the same place I buy mother's dresses and be... <gasps> Good Lord, mother's in the park. <laughs> now this I gotta see. So the bullies are willing to give uh, Stripping Martin a pass because they're so <laughs> enchanted by the colors. They're, they're all on a psychedelic freak out. And even Martin, who seemed to love the uniforms, the colors have freaked him out. And this is really digging too much into it. But so... Do the uniforms come with underwear you have to wear, or does Martin just take them up on the offer to wear undies? Because I would think the students should be wearing their own underwear at least, right? Maybe the colors bled onto his underwear, though, Hmm, from the outside. I mean, as we know, Martin is is very game for anything the administration uh, presents to him. I mean, he was the only volunteer for the child tracking service and whatnot. So <laughs> yes. I feel like it, it is very believable that they said, oh, it comes with underwear. He'd be like, oh, that's great. Yes, totally. Yeah, he, though he'd say it in a more fey way, which I do. Yes. I love about Martin that he is just he is free. I've said this many times about Martin that. He he is the receptacle for a ton of gay kid jokes and be and bullying gay kid jokes, but I love that that never slows him down. It doesn't it, it doesn't hurt his spirit. He is just a free spirit all the time, and I I love that about him. He throws a great party, except for the oysters. Yeah, oh god, had a great pool for a while there. <laughs> it's a nice pool. Uh, but yeah, the 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 freaking out, and uh, not to mention to like Chalmers again saying like, and with one minute left, everything is fine. <laughs> I'll just draw the it's zero. So beautiful. Uh, the, my, my, I, my favorite aspect of the dynamic between Chalmers and and Skinner is that it's not just that Chalmers hates him; it's that Chalmers 
I think deep down wants to like him. Like every time, every time Chalmers goes in on Skinner, it's because he's disappointed him in some severe way. And granted, severe in the context of you know school administrative uh, situations, which are not really that life or death. But it's the only thing he cares about. Mm. And Skinner constantly disappoints him. Like you, in these moments, you can see that like Chalmers is almost willing to be like, "Ah, you did all right, you did good." <laughs> but then something, some some catastrophe happens, and he just has to go back right back to being like, "God, you idiot!" I was, you were so. Close, Skinner. Why? Why can you never achieve this? It's, uh, I, if these are the most meager things you could possibly achieve <laughs> no. in the realm of school administration. You still can't do it. Uh, and, but he keeps giving him another chance every time. Chalmers will give, keep giving him chances. This is one thing I want to point out in the next scene. Uh, in Homer, Homer's oh. stolen Oscar. Do we have that? Or? Oh, wait. Before we oh, get okay. to that, color fast oh. is such a random term even now that I had to Google it. Like it's I just, didn't know what it was before this episode. Yeah, no, me neither. I mean, I didn't didn't know i didn't know until this recording that it was a real thing i i knew when he said it even in first viewing i'm like well that is some sort of term for garments i'm gonna say i i can assume that from context clues but color fast is a treatment to make dyes not run in water that's that's what it is but yes bob let's talk about some tragedy i don't have the clip of the oscar but homer homer just wants and uh, some other award for his award shelf, right? That's right. And uh, we see in every airing since the first one, he has the Oscar for Don Amici, uh, Best Supporting Actor, I believe, for Cocoon. Cocoon, yeah. In the yes. first uh, airing, it was actually the Oscar for uh, Dr. Hang S. Ngor, who won for The Killing Fields. He was a real-life uh, refugee, I think. Was it Cambodian yeah, prison I believe camp? it was Cambodia. Yes. yes yeah. uh, murdered in San Francisco, actually, uh, after this first airing. So 49 days after. Yes. Four- <laughs> so that changed the joke that changed the joke to imply that homer was the one homer murdered murdered him and stole his oscar so in this case i will say yes that's a good change to make although the typography on hang s nor i'm sorry i'm not saying that right is much better spelled and printed than Don Amici. Don Amici is very shoddily printed on that mm, Oscar. Yeah, that's true. It yeah. seems like a really quick redo. The, the hang yeah, is... it was. But, I mean, the, the, you know, sometimes you have to make decisions like this. Like, context mm. for jokes and context for, you know, for, for art in general can change over time. And in this case, very quickly over time. And mm. we see people screaming about, you know, censorship and, you know, changing <laughs> things for, you know, changing the, the intended meaning. But, like, in cases like this, I, I don't know how you don't change that. Yeah, I, I don't know why some this is not a hill to die on yeah, on this no. censor and it is self-censorship in the way too in in the first episode of Futurama in the first airing there was a joke about JFK Jr. Airport which takes a very different meaning after John F. Kennedy Jr. dies in a plane crash. So, right. th- so they change it to uh, Radio City Mutant Hall, which honestly I think is a funnier turn of phrase. Better joke. And I do want to point out that we have talked about Hang S. Nagore before. He was actually, I believe, on the second episode of The Critic mm-hmm. uh, as a way to show what an asshole Jay Sherman is. Because Jay, they show clips like, he should have visited the acting fields. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I I guess, too, I don't I don't love Hang S. Nagore. Like, it feels just like, what is... They asked themselves, what's the most random name we could put on an Oscar? Like, what's the most random Oscar winner? And it feels like a very hashtag Oscar so white moment that they're like, well, this non-white person who won an Oscar, one of the very rare ones, he doesn't have an American name. That would be silly to see that that would be the one Homer stole. I think also because he was not really an actor. He was yeah. uh, before that or after that. So uh... Fortunately, after... 
I mean, I never heard Hangus Nagore jokes other than this and that one and the critic. In in our generation, the joke of undeserving Oscars was Marissa Tomei. She was the the one who got that, which I think is pretty shitty because she is actually a very good actor. And she was, I mean, you know, look, My Cousin Vinny is not a movie that I feel much need to ever revisit, but Man. like I remember her actually being very good in that. Yes, I, I think she might have beat out some slightly more, you know, weighty performances in mm. that category, but like, I, I don't know. I, I think people giving people shit for not deserving an Oscar outside of, you know, the occasional thing like crash winning, like is, mm. is just kind of a waste of time. Yeah. And if mm. you watch my cousin Vinny, you can see uh, Herman Munster play a judge, which is the best <laughs> part of that movie. That's uh, true. That is, that is Herman Munster. If you want to see some good Marissa Tomei acting, I would say I really love her in the slums of Beverly Hills. And yes. also, uh, and also the, in the bedroom, in the bedroom, she is also very good. Ah. The, the hated wife or girlfriend of the son who gets murdered in that movie. So that she's She is great in that, in a very like underappreciated role. Anyway, that's enough Oscar talk. I just have Oscars on the brain because uh, at the time of this recording, it was last weekend. So I, I've been, I'm thinking about it more than I normally do. It's a very classic Homer moment to say that someone clogged the toilets. <laughs> like he can't, he can't take the blame even in front of Marge. It, like that he's the only person who did it. It's... Uh, very homer and you know i never thought of maude and helen as being great bowlers but obviously they are if they have been champions with the holy rollers this whole time it's a very great and also hard to pull off uh thing in animation to have all of them go while burns's ball is slowly rolling down it requires yes. a lot of timing to figure that oh, out God, i love that this is another like line of the show caliber moment for me just because mo over explaining his uh, needlessly over explaining this plan is so beautiful don't worry about nothing homer I have a feeling that Mr. Burns is going to have a little accident that might keep him from bowling with us tonight. (laughs) 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 Smithers, I'm afraid I won't be able to play tonight. My old gimpy knee is gone akimbo again. Take that! (laughs) Smithers, that precision assault popped it back Ah. into place. Thank you, masked stranger. Oh, he's gonna ruin everything. <laughs> of course, it's referencing the uh, the real precision assault of uh, Nancy, Ta- Kerrigan. Nancy Kerrigan. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, this was this was relevant then. Now we're in the wake of Itania, mm-hmm. uh, I- Oscar loser, Oscar yeah. no show. I uh, John Mulaney is one of my favorite comedians, and he and Nick Kroll hosted the Independent Spirit Award or whatever, the Spirit Awards for Films, which is the thing that happens right before the Oscars. And in their monologue, they had this great gag about uh, I, Tanya because they said, like, uh, we want to see a sequel called I, Nancy, about Nancy Kerrigan going to the movies and seeing an Oscar-nominated film that's about how the people who attacked her are the real victim in all of this. <laughs> I and, then, say, and then he followed that up by saying, ah, it's, I'm just kidding. Nobody thinks about Nancy Kerrigan. I, Tanya is a terrible adaptation of uh, Isaac Asimov's work. <laughs> Not recommended. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't have Converse sneakers in it like Will Smith's iRobot. You learned the three rules of Harding. <laughs> I'm done. I just I was I was not a fan of them like a year where I had to choose between Allison Janney and, and Laurie Metcalf. Like I don't I don't want to have to make that choice. I, I do not envy anyone who had to make that choice. Like that is that whoever wins we lose it should have been laurie metcalf that's my uh, uh she bought yeah. me too much goodwill with roseanne i know but allison janney is the greatest too like it's i, I think that would split the vote for me of just like mm. well which tv actress do we give this to and say let's forget about scream 2 give laurie metcalf an oscar just for existing she is the greatest in scream 2 i love that that uh well i i mean she's the greatest in everything like <laughs> even even in the thankless role of being sheldon's mom in the yes. one episode of big bang theory i watched with my mother the- <laughs> scream 2 aunt Jack- 
Jackie's Revenge. <laughs> they had to reshoot that to make her the villain because it got spoiled that Timothy Oliphant was the killer. That was one of the first big internet leaks. Mm-hmm. Now I think no one cares. No, nobody, nobody cares. I I cared very much about Scream at the time at, at the at the time of Scream Two. After that, not so much. But I love that Mo even after smashing his knee, like he's not he doesn't care about hiding anymore. He takes off his mask in front of everybody, like mask off and keep talking. <laughs> well, Burns thanked him. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and then we get. I never wanted these shirts until watching this episode again, and now I watch them. Like I do want to. You can buy these shirts; they do exist. Mister Burns, as team captain, it's my duty to inform you that. Oh, I almost forgot. I brought you all a little something. Ah, oh, would you look at that? The pin pass. At last, <laughs> I finally have a garment fine enough to be married in. I've always been wealthy. But this is the first time I ever felt <laughs> rich. <laughs> now, Homer, you were about to say something to me. You're off the team. I do what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Oh. He's just ribbing you, Monty. Yes. As a an extremely cool teen, I did wear a lot of bowling te- bowling shirts I got from Goodwill and other mm-hmm. like thrift stores. And I have to say, I like them, but now I feel like I can't wear one unless I'm ska adjacent. You need <laughs> yeah, to be ska it's, adjacent. It's a very 90s ska kind of uh, presentation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there was even that band, Let's Go Bowling. Like, I don't know. Somehow oh somehow bowling and ska became intertwined in a way that I never completely understood. You need uh, also frosted tips and a hemp necklace. <laughs> yes. I had it all. At that, at that point, you're just Smash Mouth. You're just the oh, guy from Smash Mouth. You're right. You're oh, right. Uh, no, I briefly was the guy from Smash Mouth as yeah. a teen. Oh, wow, he seems hey, he seems like a cool guy. He's, he ate all those eggs. He's, <laughs> he's he's happy and rich. Yeah, yeah. He's I I mean, look, there's worse ways to go when you're a rich dude. I, and I, I I recall him yelling at Donald Trump for uh, Donald Trump's used the expression Smash Mouth or something like that uh, in a I'm tweet. Certain- Donald Trump has no clue what the band Smash Mouth is. And it was the but. one time everyone was on the side of Smash Mouth post like <laughs> Shrek 2. Well, I, I know during uh, Pride Week, uh, Pride Month last month, a lot of my trans pals were retweeting him doing just uh, that he did a non-ironic just like trans flag I support you tweet. I was like, wow, that's pretty awesome. Smash oh, the Mouth Smash Mouth guy? Yeah, the Smash Mouth wow. guy. Yeah. So Thumbs up to you. He's woke Smash Mouth, okay? <laughs> Look, no one is saying the Smash Mouth guy is bad. We're just saying the Smash Mouth guy looks like the Smash Mouth guy. <laughs> yes. That's the only That's the only comment here. <laughs> he walked on the sun. He's a national hero. <laughs> uh, but those Pin Pal shirts, like if you go to Universal Studios, either one, and go to the gift shops, you're going to get yourself a Pin Pal shirt, I believe. It's a great design. They they definitely have a 7-Eleven, uh, 7-Eleven, a Quickie Mart shirt there, too, that you can get with Apu's name on it, which uh, appeared in the uh, appeared in the documentary, The Problem with Apu. Actually, I believe all of the staff got these shirts this year as a gift, and they also Ooh. got their own customized bowling balls, and they, they were recalling on the on the commentary that they remember when they should have been writing the show, they were getting their uh, <laughs> their fingers measured for the bowling ball holes and their customized <laughs> Simpsons bowling balls. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, and I also love their chummy goofing around with Monty. Like, oh, how you guys? Like, it's, it's so unnatural. But the Monty seems... It's something I kind of 
uh, missed in previous viewings of this that Monty is earnestly friendly to them. He's like, no, he is their chum on the team. He is, he's not cruel. He's not mean. He just loves being on this team with his new friends. His only real friend is just a horrible sycophant, so he's yes. actually getting to bro down, uh, which he can't do with Smithers. Yeah, that's that's true. Smithers just isn't, isn't the best bro, I would say. And so they play the game. I love the gag of Burns standing in front of Homer and revealing that Homer did, which there's no reason he would stand in front of Homer right after after he rolled the ball. It's obviously. a great screw the audience joke. It's so great. And as Merkin loves. But if I may talk statistics, so for them to be one pin ahead, Uh-oh. <laughs> if if you assume that Mr. Bolt, Mr. Burns got a zero every frame he did, even if they if every other team member bowled a perfect three hundred, they would still have to have someone on the Holy Rollers team would have had to do just as bad to even out the scores four ways. You know what I mean? Like, the Holy Rollers, there's no explanation of why they did bad enough to be even with a team where one member has a zero. I don't know a whole lot about that aspect of bowling. I I bowled (laughs) a lot, and I tried. I remember as a kid, I I was actually bored enough where I tried to watch bowling on TV, Mm -hmm. and the real question of that experience was which one of these throws will not be a strike yeah. that's exactly what you're looking for it's like sort of like waiting for the crash in nascar or something mm. like that oh, sorry. i guess we at some point we just have to assume that someone on that on on the holy rollers was just not good right mm. like it, we just didn't see it necessarily like someone on that team just did not have god on their side mm. maybe lovejoy is the mr burns of their team and that he sponsored it he he's the team captain but he's actually terrible well lovejoy does not like being around ned so maybe that's throwing mm. him oh, off maybe. he does not like mm. ned flanders there's a whole other story story here we're not seeing about that but uh, God, the only time i watched televised bowling was watching a couple episodes of that comedy central bowling show that had uh, the voice of salem the uh, the cat oh as nick bakai yes, yeah. yeah let's bowl i think that's right i think there's some weird like it's a all- mystery science related yeah. show yeah i was gonna say there's some weird like joel hodgson connection or maybe El- j elvis weinstein or something like I that i think so i think that's the only reason i would have watched it because somebody on mst3k info would have told me like this is related to mystery science theater through someone's cousin like well then i'm watching this show i suffered through uh excruciating episodes of make me laugh for frank conniff's mm-hmm. appearances I lo- he what sang- a dumb show that was uh, he sang a song about michael landon he sang a, Mike- a song about michael landon i recall i would laugh just seeing frank conniff yeah it was just funny but he did i mean he's just not tv's frank without that suit though Anyway, it comes down to the final, the final, final bit of luck with Burns not finally knocking over two pins, and they've won it. They've won the game. Yes. <laughs> Whoa! We won! We won! <laughs> <laughs> you mean I won? But we were a team, sir. Oh, I'm afraid I've had one of my trademark changes of heart. (laughs) You see, teamwork will only take you so far. Then the truly evolved person makes that extra grab for personal glory. Now, I must discard my teammates, much like the boxer must shed rule after rule of sweaty, useless, disgusting flab (laughs) before he can win the title. Ta! I guess some people never change. Or... They quickly change and then quickly change back. That's definitely like a very uh, David Merkin commentary on sitcoms. It's like, yeah. okay, everything has to go back to normal. Burns is evil again. They're not <laughs> friends anymore. There's no more bowling league. We have to reset the entire show. We've got 30 seconds left. We've yeah. got to reset everything. But a good reset, you know, I, I, I think, you know, can play as a good gag. And I, I, this this one, like the constant switching back and forth of Burns's personality, uh, maybe speaks to larger issues with him and his uh, advanced age. But also, it's perfect. It's the, it's the exact thing mr burns would do like he's going to screw you over at some point 
he is the scorpion riding on the frog's back. <laughs> and in this case, the frog is a bowling team, and he is he is the scorpion. He only really got into this to relish in the agony of those he's defeated. Mm-hmm. He can even defeat his own teammates. It makes it better. That's true. Man, you know, actually, it... That is a very good reading of that emotionally of why he would do that. And also I do the animation, not only of the precision with which his ball is riding the edge is perfect. It's right in the middle. It's very well done. And and also the animation of his seemingly boneless hand being hit (laughs) by the air is just, God, it's beautiful. That's great. Uh, And, and poor, but also Homer doesn't get to win because Homer net, you don't get to win in the Simpsons. Like if you won, then you wouldn't be unhappy. So you get like two frames of Homer holding the trophy and then it's immediately snatched from him and it's it's just gone i i also do love this at least Otto got his lobster harmonica at least but the best that. the best part of the auto bit is that like presumably that harvard diploma is also still in there <laughs> and true. he went for the, the lobster harmonica <laughs> it feels like that uh that crane game was attached to like the building's foundation or something yeah. with the way it just <laughs> like true. disrupted everything and i love does this- anyone else live near a crane game that has like really weird shit in it from time to time no i'll occasionally I do. Oh, what's in it? Uh, so it's it's mostly normal stuff, like, you know, stuffed animals and whatnot. But every once in a while, there'll just be, like, a random DVD in there. Like, I walked past it last week, and there was a copy of What Women Want on DVD <laughs> in, oh in this claw machine. That's a good place That's, for it. Yeah. Usually, yeah. I'll walk by, and it'll be like, oh, yeah, that movie was seven years old that that plush character is from. So, mm-hmm. like, they really need to change out these toys. Uh, the, the last UFO catchers I saw in person, I went to Tokyo a couple months ago. But they, they keep theirs fresh. But they do have very random ones of, like, there was one with, like, a giant beach ball in it and you just had to remove it from the hook and it seems very simple of like well all i have to do is tap this and i'm gonna get that beach ball like no you're, you're really not it's there to trick you yeah i oh, god damn it i love i love this ending that they have like they have a triple fuck you i would say so first i they, they have a fuck you of well homer doesn't get to win then they have the one of mo saying the very cliched hey we got each other right no that they are not satisfied <laughs> by that then you get that they decide to commit that they are out to steal instead of instead of being satisfied by that. Then you think Homer is going to successfully steal it, and then he does not after the triumphant music plays. And he and then you think, well, his friends just said how much they love each other. No, he is abandoned by That's his like friends a, and left to die. A five Pete, uh, screw you. It is. It's it's very. It is so dense. We don't need him or his trophy. We got each other, huh? Yes, oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, oh. Go, oh, Homer, you're, you're on that. If you, you can't, can't do, do it, it, no one can. Well, I guess no one can. Run before they're through feeding. Oh, my God. The the verb Mo chooses is feeding. feeding. Before they're through feeding. Like eating, yeah. eating my friend alive. Oh, that's... That's got to be one of the more violent uh, punchlines to a Homer gets injured joke. Because, like, you know, falling and breaking bones and whatnot, you know, there's plenty of that. But, like, getting ripped apart by a pack of dogs, that's that's a level above. 
Yes, yeah. especially how they would go to the credits with him still screaming under the you know executive they producer. They had five more seconds of screaming, and and uh, and I think Dan Castellan on the commentary is talking about how he's like, I've done so much screaming, <laughs> but you made me do original screaming need, for this uh, episode. Contextual screaming, not uh, any scream will do. But he is dead. Homer is dead. Yes. Th- those dogs are tearing him apart for so long. It's like well, Homer's dead. Yeah. Like, even one hound getting released on you, I think you're dead then. But like. The three that are the killer hounds, and it's also just a nice throwback to have Burns. Burns hasn't released the hounds in quite a while. It's been by a while, point. yeah. I guess I guess the greyhounds were hounds. We never released them. Yes, yeah. I mean, he owned hounds, but he didn't release hounds. That that hound. Uh, going back to Simpson singing, singing the blues, there's an entire song about releasing the hounds. Even there's an entire oh, song. There is. Yeah. Oh yes. Well, it's in the. Bur- I mean, it's not. Ex- it's the Burns a song, and right, releasing right. the hounds is a major is returned to multiple times in that song. I thought I missed the B-side or something. I wanted to make Look sure. Look at all those idiots. <laughs> the release the hound fools. song is only on the Japanese release. <laughs> uh, live from Budokan. Yes. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah this, this episode is great. I I love how it undercuts sitcom tropes as the best Merkin show ran episodes do. I didn't mention Mark Kirkland, the director of this episode. The animation team was very game for, you know, animating sports, not easy, and having to do completely new character designs for every child in the school. And, right, and there's a yeah. ton of crowd stuff. Like, they're asked to animate two riots, and two of those riots have to happen when the kids have kaleidoscope colors on them which i don't know maybe it's hard to ask people in korea to paint i think it helps that they're only like in three locations throughout this entire episode and they're not new locations so that that saves some animator death (laughs) that's true (laughs) it it is a great looking episode and i I think it is you know even though it is not like a particularly meaningful episode i think it is it, it has some fun with the idea of you know friendship over uh you know competitive spirit and then also just completely abandoning that entirely by the end of it and just saying friendship doesn't matter we need to friggin win (laughs) a great episode right yes and uh before we go i will let alex tell us where he's from where we can find his work and his videos and other fun stuff you can find me i am alex underscore uh navarro n-a-v-a-r-r-o on twitter and uh giantbomb.com is where most of the things i do for a living live and you can watch or listen to me play video games uh, a wide variety of them uh, on the website we hardly endorse it and what and your twitter Thank account you. what's that uh, you know it's a place where people go to be sad uh <laughs> and that's generally where i like to be sad you'll find uh, me so there you be sad with me you can find me on twitter <laughs> yes uh well they, hey, hey we didn't even talk about wrestling this whole time oh, I, I'm, I, I'm saved <laughs> but uh the, the, are you heading to the long beach new japan show i will not be uh getting out mm. to long beach around that time is just not going to work out for me sadly uh, one of these days i'm going to make it to one of those uh u.s new japan shows though i have been to a couple of the ring of honor across uh, uh, New Japan ones here in New York, and those have been super fun. Yeah, finally they're doing stuff on the West Coast instead. Of, I've always been jealous of you e- the, getting the East Coast Ring of Honor stuff. Uh. Yeah, like like East Coast indie wrestling. You know, it's uh, it's it's a hallowed tradition. And I'm I'm glad to be able to to see it from time to time. But I think it's it's definitely time the West Coast got their due. So thanks again to Alex. If you want to uh, go to the sad place, you can find me Bob Mackey on Twitter <laughs> uh, as Bob Servo. I'm there hanging out making jokes. You can also listen to my other podcast, Retronauts. It's a classic gaming podcast. It's been going on since 2006. Uh, go to retronauts.com or look for Retronauts in your podcast machine. I say find a topic that interests you and download the corresponding episode. You should like it if you like me, and I hope you like me. Uh, Henry, please, what else do we do here? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. I'm also I'm competing with Alex on sadness, but it's, it's, <laughs> not, it's not close. Uh, he's got me beat there. But we are... 
Supported by Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. If you enjoy this, know that Bob and I do it full-time thanks to the support of wonderful subscribers at Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons, where for just $5 a month, you get access to every episode of Talking Simpsons a week early and ad-free. That goes the same for our other brand-new podcast we just launched, What a Cartoon, where Bob, me, and a guest go through a different cartoon every week in the Talking Simpsons style like we just did here. Not to mention, if you go to Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons sign up. You will get access to every episode of Talking Critic where we do this same for every episode of The Critic. And right now we're doing it for the first season of Futurama in Talking Futurama. Having so much fun with it. It's so, so much fun. There's tons of exclusives you get there if you just just for starting at $5 a month. $10 a month gets you even more cool stuff, so please head over to patreon.com slash Simpsons. Yes, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week with Two Bad Neighbors and some pretty awesome guests. Later. infotainment.